What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I am your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin, and I got my guy with me, the editor of Nets Wire. He covers the Brooklyn Nets for us. He's working over at DraftKings. He's going to be covering for me tonight while I'm on the flight on my way down to Orlando. My guy, Nick Fryer. Nick, what's going on, my guy? What's up, Kai? How you doing? I'm feeling good, man. I mean, the Sixers are back. I'm allowed back in arenas. I, I get to travel a little bit. I'm headed down to Orlando, spending the new year down there. I get to see my mom for the first time in three months. I'm excited, man. Everything's all good right now. Yeah, I, I know you've been really pumped about being able to go back to the games, maybe more than anybody. I mean, I know we all want to get back to normalcy, but you have been itching for that more than anybody I know. You have no idea. Like, Nick, I'll be completely honest with you, and I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed on saying this. I cried. Happy tears on opening night against the Washington Wizards. I, I legit had tears <laughs> coming down my face because I made it back. I was back in the arena. <laughs> I really don't care that I had a mask on. I'm just happy to be back, back in the arena. And, you know, it's just – this is what we worked for, man. This is what we worked for. We didn't, we didn't work hard just to cover games from home. So, it was definitely exciting. It was definitely exciting for me to get back in the arena. So – Nick, what we're going to do today on this podcast, man, is December 30th, 2020. We're going to look back on 2020. Not, not the bad stuff. We're not going to look too much on the bad stuff. We're going to look strictly on the basketball year. Uh, what transpired this year? What happened with the Sixers? We, even, we will even touch on the Brooklyn Nets a little bit. We'll discuss Doc Rivers' quote on Ben Simmons, and then we'll look ahead to 2021. So, okay. Nick, man, the year 2020 for the Philadelphia 76ers, what a year. What, yeah. What a, <laughs> it's been a weird it's been a weird year for them but before we get into that i i don't know if you've touched on this in the past i forget it's been a while anyways either way where were you when the gobert news broke back on march 11th i was at the arena you were at the arena okay yeah, the sixers were home they played the uh, the detroit pistons and um i i knew i just it was a weird feeling just even walking into wells fargo center that night just because there were already talks of the nba saying okay we're gonna have no fans at, at the at the games you know or we're, we're gonna start uh limiting people we're gonna start um limiting media access to the locker room it was already a weird night a weird feeling going into the arena that night and it kind of felt weird that they were even playing that game because i think the city of philadelphia came out with an announcement that they weren't going to allow more than like 15 people indoors together or something like that. And yet the Sixers had packed the building that night for Wells Fargo Center. Sixers fans all came out for their game against Detroit. And it kind of felt like a weird feeling. It was just really weird. And then I think it was halftime. Um, it was a seven o'clock start time. It was halftime. And I got that tweet from Shams and they were like, uh, Thunder Jazz being delayed. And I remember we all looked at each other and we were like, dude, it's got to be something with this coronavirus nonsense. It has to be something with that. Somebody like what other reason could it possibly be and then every and the Sixers were already blowing out the Pistons so at that point nothing really mattered that was going on, on the floor we were all just kind of waiting for this update on Thunder Jazz and then I think around 8 15 Philly time it got announced that the game was postponed the out for Thunder Jazz and they sent everybody home sent everybody home um and then the final buzzer sounds Sixers beat the Pistons you know we're going back to the press conference room to talk to Brett Brown. And then as soon as I sit down, Nick, Shams tweets it, Rudy Gobert tested positive uh, for the coronavirus. And that changed everything. Because I think like 30 seconds later, Woj tweets, the NBA has suspended the season. And that's when things got real. That's when things really got scary. So we're all sitting in this press conference room 
and Sixers PR comes out and they're like, yo, you're getting Brett, you're getting Elton, and then you guys got to go. And like we we weren't getting players, nothing. It was it was strange. It just it was so it was surreal. It felt really just bad. It was. It, it felt like we've been in a movie the entire time. And as much as you obviously want to talk to the other like the players and stuff, I can get why guys at that time were just like we're not. They were uncomfortable. I know DeAndre Jordan has talked about it for like the since um since like since play started back up again. Everything it was during training camp. He said like I I'm still very uncomfortable with the the coronavirus and everything. He had it. He's recovered from it and he's fine, but he's still very careful about it. And he was beforehand too, but he still got it. But it's, yeah, I, I was actually at the station in Boston and uh, we finished recording the now defunct five out. And I was, I, I was like, I think we caught it at the very end and it was like, what the hell just happened? Like the season's like on pause. It, yeah. it's, it felt like those first few months, honestly, and then the quarantine and everything, it felt like we were in a movie. And, yeah. and, and that's why like now, Whenever you talk about when the, the pandemic uh, started, obviously it was ongoing beforehand, but it really took a turn here in the U.S. when Gobert tested positive. So, like, I always define it as pre and post Gobert with things, because that, like, after Rudy Gobert, everything friggin' changed. Yeah, everything changed. And when when they said you get Elton, you get Brett, you got to go. Uh, I was actually looking at a colleague of mine. I'm going to give him a shout, Justin Grasso over at Sports Illustrated, and you know he kind of looked at me. And he was like, what do we do now? And I kind of just, I didn't, I didn't even say a word. I kind of shrugged my shoulders and shook my head and we kind of kept walking. Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was so weird. It was so weird, Nick. I can tell you right now, it was so weird. Uh, yeah. And yeah, the, the whole thing was strange. And then, you know, I went home that night and uh, I laid my head down and I was like, so uh, did my job just get taken away from me? Did, did this job that I love so much really just get taken away from me? Like, what the hell is going on? Well, the other thing, too, I, I don't know how I didn't lead with this part, but Utah had been in Boston a week before or something like that. And it's just yeah. so early on. We didn't know. There's so much that we didn't know. Yeah. And I had seen Gobert on the practice, like practicing on the, the floor and everything. Obviously, I saw him in the game and stuff. But I was like, mm, I, I would say the closest I was to him was probably 10 feet. But it was enough for me to think, like, wait a second, was I within that designated range? Like, did I? Like, I quarantined for the next. Uh, I start. I dated it back to when I saw him, and I quarantined like for for two weeks, basically in the, at the end of it all. Because what the what the hell did I catch it? So and I was rattled. It was it was the same thing for me because Utah just played Detroit, and Detroit was there in Philly that night. That's right. Yeah. And then and then Christian Wood tested positive for it, like the next morning. And I, I actually, I was on the court taking a video of Christian Wood warming up before the game against Philadelphia. <laughs> it's just, it was just such, such a crazy time because now we look at it and we've learned, we've learned a lot more about the virus and like how, you know, you and I might respond to it versus someone who's, you know, a bit older or more right. at risk because of their health issues. But at the time it was like, Jesus, how many people did I expose? Like anyway, actually the contact tracing wasn't really as much of a thing at that point either. So I hadn't even thought like, who have I possibly seen since all this happened? And it was just bananas. But yeah, it's just, you know, the NBA set the tone for, they set the tone for a few things for the pandemic. They definitely helped set the tone. Right. It was just, it was a scary time, man. And 2020 was definitely an eye-opening year, like not just for public health, but for also, you know, obviously the civil rights movements and, 
you know, what happened with George Floyd in Minnesota was an absolute tragedy and just, mm -hmm. just everything that has happened this year. And the NBA really did such a terrific job of setting the tone for the pandemic, like you said, but setting the tone for the civil rights movement as well, kind of bringing that to a forefront when the season restarted inside the bubble, all those messages, mm -hmm. uh, allowing the players to have a, really a voice when it comes to this stuff. Um, uh, for example, I mean, we interviewed Tobias Harris, obviously, whenever he gave it, had his media availability in the bubble. And I think there were a couple of occasions, not just him, but Mike Scott as well, Shake Milton, too. They were like, listen, we're not taking basketball questions. We want justice for Breonna Taylor. We want justice for um, what, like, what's going on with these other uh, cases of police brutality. And really just the year of 2020 really just kind of, it really felt like a game changer. Yeah. And it, oh, yeah. And, and it felt like, it, like if we were to ever you know go into the future the future kids are going to learn about the year of 2020 in history books like this is going to be oh, yeah. going in a history textbook without a doubt and yeah. we experienced all of this so it was definitely kind of it was cool I mean it was it was hard this year was tough but here we are it's December 30th 2020 we're all better for it days we are all better for it and, and we can hopefully move forward now, in terms of what happened on the basketball court, yes. the 76ers had, had a tough 2020. Uh, they got swept in round one. There were questions about Al Horford and, and Josh Richardson and, and then Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Tobias Harris had a tough 2020. Brett Brown had himself a tough 2020. He was canned after seven seasons. In, in, one weird, in one word, Nick, how would you describe the 76ers of 2020? Mess. Yeah, that's Mess. a good one. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I was going to say discombobulation. Mm-hmm. Well, it, but see, like when we look at it, and it's it's mess and discombobulated are tough because we're looking at that the the first half of 2020, or at least I guess the majority of it. But towards the end, when you get Daryl Morey on board, you get Doc Rivers on board. Now it's like okay, there's direction now. Like there's right. um. So I would say like my if I'm looking at the 2020-21 season portion of this year, then I would say like reconfigured or re, okay. re, re, revamped would be my word. Revamped. That'd be a good one. I, so, honestly, yeah. it just the whole thing was just crazy because, I mean, 2020 began in January and it just at that point, you are about two months into the 2019-20 season. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 2020 begins, you're hoping Al Horford is now fine with Joel Embiid. You're hoping Josh Richardson is, you know, finding his groove next to Ben Simmons. You know, you're just, you're hoping that all these moves you made for 2019 would, would fit together. But it never did. But the, the only good sign from the 2019-20 season, Nick, was that night against Detroit uh, to end the, to, before the season got suspended. Because I remember Joel had like 28 and I think 12, and Al had like 24 and, and, and 11. It was kind of the first real sign that maybe Al and Joel kind of finally figured it out. And then the season got suspended. And then you got the bubble after that, and it didn't work. Right. It did not work at all. And then, they, you know, they get their second chance in the bubble. It was terrible. They were losing games they should have. And then obviously the game, the sweep against Boston where Tobias was shooting two for 15 from deep. Um, ben was ben got injured and Joel averaged 30 points per game in that series, but yet he had no help. And just it, it was an absolute mess. And then it resulted in Brett Brown being fired the next day uh, after seven years on the job. So, yeah. 2020, seven. man, what a year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in, in looking at for, for the Sixers especially, it's – I think this is a year for, for Joel Embiid that he would probably like, probably like to move away from as quickly as he can and maybe Ben Simmons too. But at the same time, they, sh they should learn from, from some of the frustrations that they experienced throughout all this. I think at the end, it's kind of working out for them where they're going in the right direction. Because now you have two people who have 
vision, and I think they're kind of they're they're aligned in Doc Rivers and and, and Daryl Morey. I was I was about to bring that up. It really does kind of feel like Doc and Daryl. You know, they work together in Boston, so 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 they know each other mm-hmm. uh, before Daryl move on moved on to Houston, and they just kind of they have an idea of what they both want to do, and they they both have an idea of. You know, they're both aligned. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not like Daryl has one idea, Doc has another, and it's kind of a, a clash. Like, no, like like both these guys kind of are, are on the same page when it comes to this team. And that's why to begin the 2020-21 season, I've seen a lot of people ask, well, what, what's going on with Matisse Thibel? How come he's not playing? And Matisse isn't playing because, you know, he's not shooting. He can't shoot. And Daryl and Doc are so committed to putting shooters around Ben and Joe to begin this season, which is why we've seen Seth and Danny play so much, why we've seen Furkan Korkmaz be a part of this rotation, um, why we've seen Shake Milton get a, a, a vast majority of the playing time off the bench, why Mike Scott is back in the rotation because he can shoot the ball. So it's definitely interesting to kind of see how Doc and Daryl have reconfigured this team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I've said to you the last couple of times, it doesn't make me feel any better that I say it, but I feel like I'm right in saying it, that they're in a, they're in a good spot right now. It's still a tough – it's going to be tough for them to win, although Spencer Dinwiddie going down for the Nets definitely makes things easier for them and everybody else in the Eastern Conference. And I, I as much as I respect that he thinks he'll come back before the year's done or at least for, like, the playoff run or whatever. I saw it, that. <laughs> it's a partially torn ACL, man. Like, I, I – I, and it sucks too, because for me, because like he's probably my favorite guy to watch play. As much, look, Kevin Durant is amazing. Kyrie Irving is an, is. I hate that he uses the term artist so much, but he's like like don't he shouldn't call everybody else artists on the court because he's like one of the very few that there actually are when it comes to ball handling and everything. But he, you know, there's the whole thing with how he is off the court. So sometimes it annoys me watching. Spencer Dinwiddie is just a guy who all around. I enjoy. So it's not seeing him play now is like a real, like it's a, it's a real kick in the nuts. Like at the end of the year, like, Hey, you know, and this is the guy who kind of brought everything together. Like Sean Marks, I know like has done all of it, but Spencer Dinwiddie was the one who was supposedly talking to Kyrie, you know, planting seeds in his ear uh, when he was with the Celtics still. And now he doesn't even get to see that come to, or be a part of it as it all comes to fruition. I mean, it's, Better than him getting traded, but anyways, the the but that his injury does make things easier for the Sixers. Still very difficult, I think. But he's honestly, a very important player. Honestly, for me, I, I believe that that the Sixers are in a much better position for the for this year. Now that you know they added the shooters and everything, but if we're talking Eastern Conference hierarchy, I just I don't see anybody beating Brooklyn four times in a seven game series. It is so hard for me to just kind of be like, be like, Oh yeah, you know what? You know, Milwaukee can beat them. Philadelphia can beat them. Boston can beat them. And it's like, no, it's hard because Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are just those two players who are like, Holy shit. When they get going, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. And there were so many times this year. Now Kyrie really didn't play too much in the 2020 calendar year. I think in the, in the 2019, 20 season, 20 games in 2020, I'm sorry, last season he only played in 20 games, and then this year he's played, as we're recording this, in three. I think three. Yeah, three, three out of four. Them. Yeah, and yeah. he's playing yeah, against the Hawks, too. So. Now, now, see, they played tonight, so who knows? It might be the fourth game like uh, of Kyrie. Yeah, he's Irving. off the injury report, so he should be good. Okay, so yeah, so there you go. But, I mean, in, in, the, in a small portion we got of Kyrie Irving with the Nets, like, I think I was actually up with you in February 
for the Sixers game against the Celtics, and we were watching the Nets and the Bulls the night before. And I think Kyrie, what, he shot 10 for 10 in the first half or something like that, and he had, like, 54 points for the game. It was something yeah. ridiculous. Man's banana lance. He really is. I mean, he's just – he's so freaking good. It's – it's it, like, he, if he – honestly, Kai, if he was 6'6", he'd probably be the best player in the league, hands down. Kyrie Irving is ridiculously good. So, I think I'd have to agree. Kyrie Irving is something else. And, yeah. and this is what I'm saying. Kyrie Irving may, may be an interesting character. You know, he's out here saging, burning sage before, you know, in arenas, before games, and things like that. And I, and I respect it because, like, who, <laughs> because at, at this point, Nick, Nick, in all seriousness, no, 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 listen to me, listen to me. Who am I? Who am I to judge? You know what I'm saying? Like, like listen, I, I don't break my Kit Kat bars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you're not alone in that, I found out a little while ago. I think I told you. I was so baffled. I'm so disappointed. Thank goodness. Uh, you're not the only one. But, uh, you know, like the Kyrie Sage thing like, is one of the lesser weird things. I, I guess it's like weird in a sense, but it's also harmless. So right. I'm yeah. cool with it, whatever. And, and like for me, it's, it's like it's weird to me and you because we don't burn sage. You know what I'm saying? Like, like nope. we're not doing that. No, but, but I, I've, I've encountered two people this year that I, I, I they burn sage in their place. So I was like, oh, well, okay. There, there you go then. All right. Like crazy I mean, uncommon. It's just before a basketball game is odd, but whatever. It's harmless. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Like, hey, if that's the worst thing that he does going forward, I'm cool with it. Yeah, so be it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like so be it. Then moving forward, Kevin Durant, I mean – Sure, the Nets are two and two right now as we record this. They had a tough loss to Charlotte. I feel like they let their guard down against Charlotte. It was one of those games where this they had a hangover. They had a huge Christmas Day win over the Celtics. Uh, where really, they destroyed the Celtics. And granted, Boston didn't have Kemba Walker, and Boston's depth is a little uh, thinner this year than it has been in the past. But Brooklyn really they kicked the shit out of them. Yeah, they did, and I, they had a better start than they, the Celtics had a better start than they did in the preseason game against them. But I, I stand by what I've been saying about the Celtics the whole time. Like, that I don't feel good about them this year, and they should just they shouldn't try and rush anything because they are they're taking a step back because of what's going on with Kemba Walker. Let him get healthy. Let him figure his stuff out. Take your time with it, and just do what you think is the safest move for next year. And then pray that, you know, now, okay, maybe you can compete with the Nets. It's still going to be tough, but you'll have another year of Tatum, another year of Brown developing where they're just running the show primarily. And that'll allow Kemba to have things be a little bit easier. Whereas with the Sixers, because they took that step back last year, I think this is a year where they really need to continue to try and make that push forward. And I think that they're doing it so far. I just like the tempo they're playing with. And obviously we've talked about the roster that they built up. Yeah, and, and listen, I will say this. I will caution Sixers fans because I feel like they they get off to a lot of slow starts. Like in all in all four of these games, they're three and one, but they're getting off to a lot of slow starts. And it could be it could be just because they're getting used to each other and they're trying to learn Doc's system. And also, here's another thing. I, I, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, Doc's running a lot of Brett Brown stuff. And it's understandable <laughs> that he's running some of Brett Brown stuff. And, and, and it's only because they've had like, this team hasn't even been together really for a full month. Training camp started December 1st, and that was the first time these guys really came together. Danny Green didn't even join the team till December 9th because that deal with the Thunder right. didn't become official till December 8th. Yes. <laughs> like, Danny Green has officially been a 76er now. Today's December 30th for 22 days. He's that been a for three weeks. Favorite trade of 2020. Danny Green to the Sixers. Al Horford get freaking banished to Siberia of the NBA. You know what's crazy? Al Horford's played two games with the Thunder. He's averaging um, – oh, wow. He's actually only averaging seven points and three oh, rebounds. Oh, no. Al Horford is underperforming? He's averaging seven points, nine rebounds, uh, three and a half assists, 
Uh, um, and he's shooting 33.3% from the floor. Sixers fans, you guys must be blown away by that. I don't know if there's any Celtics fans listening. They are too. Al Horford averaging less than 10 points a game. That is remarkable. How much money is he getting again? 20, like 25 mil a year or something like that? You know what's crazy? In his debut against Charlotte, uh, you know, they ended up with the win. Gildas Alexander hit that game winner for the Thunder. Mm. And um, Horford had three points, 13 rebounds, three assists, and he shot one for five from the floor. Look, scoring is not the end-all, be-all in the NBA. I think it's it, we're starting to see that more and more with analytics and everything. You want guys who can do a bunch of different stuff too. But Al Horford, I just don't. I just it just just for me, I just don't get it anymore. Like he was, he, he had it at a time, but he's just gone so far in the wrong direction. And that was such a good non-move by the Celtics as, as we look back on it more. And obviously, a bad move by the Sixers. And then in his in his second game, in his second game against the Jazz, actually, I watched that game. He started three for four from deep from that game. Like, he hit three of his first three, uh, four three-pointers. Um, but he, then he finished three for seven from deep, so he missed his final three. Uh, and he finished with 11 points, five rebounds, and four assists. Okay. And then he didn't play last night against the Magic. Okay. Yeah, the Sixers are just better off without him. And I hope SGA doesn't try and learn too much from him. Just keep doing your thing, dude. You'll you'll learn. Like, don't don't worry about what Al has to say. I mean, listen, Al Horford, dude, he just doesn't. I just don't think he's a good guy to uh, learn from necessarily. Based on I like I like Al Horford, man. Oh, good, you like him. That's fine. I mean, yeah, you had Anna on the show and everything. I get it. You get along with him. You're like you're super tight with the family. You spent a New Year's with them, right? Too. I, I right? Am I correct? Shut up. <laughs> 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 but no, I got. It's just I. It doesn't. I was when they lost. The Celtics lost. And I was like, this is the biggest loss for the Celtics because the drop off. Like there wasn't somebody to replace him on that roster, as opposed to you, you go from Kemba to Kyrie, which at least, or Kyrie to Kemba. Yeah, Kyrie to Kemba. So at least like there's. It, it, yeah, it's a drop off, but it's not as significant as what is replacing Al Horford. But he just he's proven to not be worth the money that he gets, and right. the Sixers are now better off too for not having him. Yeah, and again, like for me, I think Al Horford is eventually going to find his his role w- with the Thunder because, as a center, I feel like he's going to be having a solid season, you know, with Oklahoma City. Like that's just me. I think I think Al Horford's going to be playing well for the Thunder. He's off to a slow start, but it is what it is. As for Josh Richardson, Richardson's playing a different role for the Dallas Mavericks, and this year he's averaging sixteen point seven points, which is three points up from his career his average in Philadelphia. He's also averaging four rebounds. Uh, 1.7 assists, and he's shooting 40% from deep, 52.8% from the floor overall through his first three games with the Mavericks. So good start for Josh Richardson. Nice. What did he? What were he shooting for the Sixers last year? Do you have that in front of you too? Uh, with the Sixers, he shot 34.1% from deep in Philadelphia. Okay. I'm so, curious if that. Okay. Now, now see, it's only three games, so jo- like Josh has that tendency to like he, he's one of those guys who will shoot the ball pretty well, then shoot it. You know, it comes in peaks and valleys. So, mm-hmm. Josh Richardson, though, he's another one. I feel like the Sixers asked him to do too much. You know, they were asking him to shoot the ball, defend on, out on the perimeter well, handle the ball. Uh, they were asking him to be the leader because he was the only one to step up, too. So, they are asking Josh to do a little bit too much. So, I feel like with the Mavericks, it's a good fit for him. He's not going to be able – he's not going to be asked to do too much next to Luka Doncic. And I watched the Christmas Day game against the Lakers. I thought Josh filled a role pretty well. And then, obviously, the Mavericks blew the Clippers out by 51 points the other day. God, so what the hell was that shit? Jesus. I don't, I don't know. What a way to, 
I'm not trying to get into the Clippers of 2020. The Clippers- no, it's, right, it's a way to end. The, it's what a way to end 2020, though. My God, but you you bring up with Richardson and how he was asked to do too much. It's amazing how you just make a couple moves and you have you add a couple. You had two shooters specifically, and then you bring in the head coach who has a vision and knows what he wants. That goes right. aligned with the guy who's now the president of basketball operations. In the franchise, looks so much different. Even I get Philly fans may still doubt him because that's how that's how you all are over there. It's fine, whatever. But from my from where I stand, somebody who doesn't who who would never really want to see the Sixers win. I mean, whatever happens, happens. At the end of the day, I'm trying to be an unbiased reporter, but I was never a Sixers guy. Like I think they're good. I honestly yes. do. Yeah, listen, they're off to a solid start. I will say there are some things with Seth Curry that I think need to be fixed. I think Seth Curry is doing. He's another one. He, I think he's in his head. Now, he had 17 points against the Toronto Raptors on December 29th. He iced the game with a really clutch triple from the top of the key, which I want to say was came off a two-man game with him and Joel Embiid. Him and Joel, it kind of looked like what J.J. Redick ran with him uh, during his time with the Sixers. It was as a dribble handoff. Seth got it back to him. Uh, the Raptors aggressively double-teamed Joel, and he kicked it back out to an open Seth Curry for the three-pointer for to ice the game. It was really terrific action to watch. But for Seth Curry, though, there were a couple times uh, in, in the win that he passed up so many open three-pointers. He was hesitating. It was weird. It was like, dude, you're coming in here to shoot threes. Now, I think, Nick, it's because Seth said something before the season started. He said he wants to be known for more than just shooting three-pointers. Oh. He's a guy because obviously oh, Seth – because say that? It's the most important tool, like, to, like the trait to have as a player in the league now. You're a three-point shooter. You have a job, period. Especially here in Philadelphia. Especially yeah. on this team. But Seth is a guy who wants – like, there were too many times where he put the ball on the floor and he took a tough floater. I think he made one of them. He made a couple – like, Seth wants to be known as more than just a shooter. And with the Sixers, it's like, dude – you shoot 44.3% from deep for your career. You shot 45.2% from deep last year in Dallas. You shot like 47% from deep the season before in Portland. You're, all you do is shoot threes. Literally, please do not pass up open three-pointers on this Sixers team because it will be the death of you, especially with the fan base here in Philadelphia because I saw them already getting pissed off last night on Twitter. <laughs> already. That's, that's perfect. I mean, why would you, like, everybody says now that you want to shoot them. So why, if you're good at it, why the hell would you want to, why would you want to try and start adding to your game that you're, you're, if, like, here's the thing, if you're having trouble getting open and you want to add those wrinkles to your game and not settle for a contested three, that's fine. I understand that. I respect that. But that's not what we're talking about here. He's getting legitimate looks. And that's what Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid help him get. And honestly, and, and having another sharpshooter like Danny Green is also going to help him out with that too, because people are going to have to occupy that guy too. I just, that's that. I mean, hopefully Doc nips that in the bud at some point. I'm sure he can have that conversation better than anybody with Seth, given their you know, relationship. But man, right. that is annoying. I don't blame Sixers fans for being pissed about that. Oh, and also, also they already hate Danny Green. Why? Because of what happened last year and they just think he's a loser? No, because Danny Green is off to a slow start, and and people seem to forget that he's only been a Sixer officially for three weeks, and he he literally played in the bubble till October 11th with the Lakers last year. So I mean, he's had the shortest off season on the team. Look, six, six, so Philly fans are 
about as brutal as it gets. I say it they all the time. They are a passionate group of people. That's all I say. They That's are. how you look at it. You look at it as passionate. I think you all, you all are fucking brutal, honestly. Listen, so. don't group me in that. I'm from Detroit. <laughs> like, I'm no, from Detroit. I mean, I'm talking to the, the people listening to this right now because I'm assuming it's, all, it's Sixers fans. Fair enough. I mean, I just cover the team. I'm, you know, that, 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 that's just my job. Not you, not you. That's not you, Kai. Don't worry. Which, one, which he, he, here's my thing. Detroit, uh, please <laughs> trade Blake Griffin, please. It, like, like, trade Blake Griffin, trade Derrick Rose. I want Jeremy Grant getting all the shots for the Pistons. Him and Josh Jackson. Just feed the young guys and just go from there if you're the Pistons. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Real quick, as a, as an aside, um, I don't know if the Sixers have announced their ratings or their NBC Sports Philly. I don't know if they've been announcing their ratings or whatever, but I know we're seeing today as we're recording this, the NBA's ratings are up big time from from last season. I know there was a big dip. I know for the Nets, they're kicking the, the Knicks' ass. So I saw right that. Now, which, I mean, like, I get it. Like, for people who were born and raised in New York, I get it. Like the Knicks, they are always just going to be ahead of the Nets because they were first New Jersey team, blah, blah, whatever. But it's like, you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving here. At some point they're going to freaking pass them. And the net, the Knicks are, the only thing they're good for is making, being made fun of. That's it. Like right. I, I, no disrespect to like RJ Barrett and the other guys that they got there. I get what you're trying to do, but I like, I like Obi Toppin and everything. I think he will help turn things around, but you're a joke. But we, we see that the ratings are kick are killing it right now. They are. What do you like? I know Kevin Durant plays a factor in that, but I can't say he like. I'm talking about on the whole. Obviously, with the Nets, it's Kevin Durant, period, and then Kyrie is there, sure. But it's Kevin Durant. He, I think, has an impact on everything, but I don't think he's like the sole reason that the league's ratings are better, right? Well, it's funny you say that because my phone legit just popped up. It says NBA ratings are up from 95% from last year. For That's why I, I got the same notification. I was trying to be like smooth about it and everything. But okay. there, there you Oh, See, I messed it up. I messed it's, it up. Okay. I, I guess, I guess for me, Nick, I just feel like everybody's healthy and you know, Steph Curry's back too. Like Steph Curry's back for, for golden state. And even though the warriors aren't good because they're missing clay and, and Draymond and everything, and they got blown out by Brooklyn uh, Golden State's got two straight wins. They beat Chicago on a game winner from Damian, Lilly, Damian Lee, and they, uh, they beat Detroit the other night too. So now they're two and two, and so now people are going to be looking at Steph Curry again. Uh, just it's important for the league stars to play, like Steph Lillard, Carmelo's back with Portland. The, the Blazers just beat the Lakers the other night. Uh, LeBron James is healthy. Anthony Davis is healthy. Kevin Durant is healthy. Kyrie Irving's back. So it's important for the league to have these guys fully healthy and ready to go. And the same thing with the Bucks. Like Giannis is there. And the Bucks has hit did you see them hit 29 three-pointers against the Miami Heat and they beat them 144 to 97 down in Miami. That's ridiculous. 29 three-pointers an NBA record. So damn, good for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um that's another team like you get sharp shooting and it's consistent. It's They're fair. a lot scarier. I still don't trust Mike Boonholzer come playoff time. That's just I me. I, By the way, we, we, we've talked about the, the whole Kemba Walker thing with um, in the, the All-Star game, and I, I think it was Nick Nurse. I, I went on another show after you and I talked about it, and yeah. I got it wrong. I keep getting it wrong. Like the Nick Nurse versus Boonholzer coaching the, uh, the All-Star game in, uh, from this past season. I, every time it's Nick Nurse, though. I'm like 95% sure now it's him. I, I, I'm upset that we're not getting the All-Star game this year. It just sucks. Like <sighs> – yeah, I mean, you gotta, I think we got to – look, we, we obviously, you know, things are moving – seem to be moving in the right direction when it comes to real-world stuff. So, if we can get it all back to kind of normal by, you know, like you've told me, maybe April, that'd be – I'd take that a year of just this. If we cut it off at that. Yeah, that'd be nice. That would definitely be nice. Yeah. Um, 
we're gonna we're gonna end off the show with this one, guys. Doc Rivers had an interesting quote after their December 29th win over Toronto, and he was asked again, like, "What about Ben? You know, do you want Ben to shoot the ball?" And Doc was like, "Listen, I, I really could care less if, if Ben shoots the ball. I, I could I could not, you know, I don't care. Uh, I care about Ben defending all over the floor, pushing the ball in transition, getting us into sets, and us winning games." And to his point, Philadelphia is 3-1. and one. Uh, They've been ugly wins. The only real convincing win was their 20-point blowout win over the Knicks uh, on December 26th, but it's the Knicks. So at the end of, so at the, end of the day, they are 3-1, and one, sure. But damn, Nick, it would definitely help if Ben Simmons would just shoot the fucking ball. Yeah, I would, I would say if he could shoot the ball and shoot it well, of course. So I, I think see, my thing with Doc is you, you, I would think you, sh- you should be worried about that kind of stuff and about him incorporating that into his game as time goes on. But I, I get why he'd want to say that to the, to you guys over in Philly. Like it's, it's not an issue for me right now. And, and maybe down, it should be something that you're thinking about down the line. So for him to say that he couldn't care less, I mean, I get it if you couldn't care less at this juncture, but I would think that's something that's on your mind because you can't just look at it and say, oh yeah, like Ben can be the same guy that he's been every single postseason, and we're still going to be fine. We got more shooters now, so it's going to be fine. I, I again, like you, you, it's a the roster has been reconfigured in a great way, and the leadership there is now, um, I, I in it moving in a uh, like one direction together. But I, you still need more out of Ben Simmons. Like I, we've said stuff about Ben Simmons and Joel and be like what they got to do. So to act like now it's just. Hey, he can go and do this, and he's gonna be Magic Johnson. And like, even then, like Magic was shooting more than Ben Simmons. I was like, come on, it's like, that's not fair. Like, right. he, he can't just not do that and and, and assume things are gonna. We've seen it with Giannis, and Giannis is better than Ben Simmons, and he, and Giannis still can't get to the promised land right now. So, how can you say that it's okay for Ben to not do that? Yeah, and at this point, again, it's not like we're asking Ben Simmons to all of a sudden turn into Steph Curry or Damian Lillard. Like it's, it's really, it's not that it's not even, not even that in the slightest. No. Um, at this point, like we're literally, we're just asking you to take one, three a night. Just take one. And like, I've, I've seen, I've seen Damian, uh, not Damian Lillard. I've seen Ben Simmons shoot the three ball well. And honestly, I, I got a, I got a video last night of him warming up from deep last night before the game against Toronto. And he's knocking them down with consistency. And what is, I, what is the point? Like, what is the issue, man? At this point, Nick, I really do believe it, it's something to do with his – is something mental, obviously. Something mental, just him not pulling it out. Um, and honestly, Nick, I don't know if I talked about it with you. I know I've talked about it on this podcast a couple of times. But Minnesota Timberwolves guard D'Angelo Russell hopped on J.J. Reddick's podcast over the summer. Um, like right before – I think it was – actually, no, it was in September. It was in September. And D'Angelo Russell – uh, played with Simmons in high school. They went to the same high school together. They played basketball there. And J.J. Redick asked D'Angelo and said, why doesn't Ben shoot the ball? You know, Ben shot the ball in high school. How come he's not doing it now? And Russell believes it's because of social media. Like if Ben were to go 0 for 7 or something from the floor from shooting jumpers, that he would go on social media and see himself getting clowned on social media because that's the way social media works. If, if you're going through a slump, you're going to see it all over the place because the memes then come out and all the jokes then come out. And I feel like that affects Ben emotionally. And I've been saying this, Nick, for years. And then it got confirmed when D'Angelo Russell said it on J.J. Reddick's podcast back in September. You're I, in the I, wrong game, bro, if that's what you're doing. Like, seriously, like, you're, in the wrong, you're in the wrong line of work. Like, 
yeah. the whole thing with being a professional athletes, you get all this money. I don't like, you don't have to worry about all that stupid stuff. We have to worry about it because it's part of our job. And then there are other people who want it because they want a distraction in life. What do you like? Well, you don't that honest to God, Kai, I've said it. I think I've said it to you before. I know I've said it to a lot of people. If I didn't do what I do, like if we just, if I just worked at a job that required no social media presence, or whatever, I wouldn't, I'd have, I'd have maybe Instagram. That's it. I mean, I don't even, not cause I can post just so I can look at like cool pictures and stuff. That is it. I don't yeah. care outside of that stuff. Facebook's good for keeping in contact with people who are like living in different parts of the country or whatever, or things like that. But other than that, man, I don't care. I'll yeah. find out other stuff later. Yeah. So like social media really can't be poisonous. Like, yeah. like it, it, just get it, off it then. Yeah, if you if you let it. Um, so uh, but that honestly, Nick, has been my theory for the past couple of years that he's afraid of being clowned on social media because you gotta remember he is 24. He's on Instagram and Twitter all the time. I'm sure I'm sure he he sees a bunch of jokes like when other guys go through slumps, they get clowned. And and I feel like, you know, he is he doesn't want to deal with that. So he doesn't want to risk it. Um Obviously, there's a picture going around of all-star practice when Ben is taking a jump shot and you see like LeBron James, uh, Chris Paul, and I forget who else in the background watching him intently shoot the ball. Because I, I, think, I think Ben knows how magnified this shit is. And that's why he doesn't want to shoot the ball in a game because he, he knows. Like it just – like even, even the two three-pointers he made, Nick, he didn't get asked about anything else after the game except for that shot that he made, the three-pointer that he made. Uh, he And you could tell he got uncomfortable with it. Just he didn't want to talk about it. He, he was like, it's just a shot. Who cares? Uh, I made it. They gave me space. I knocked it down. Like That, that was kind of Ben's reaction to the three-pointers he made last year against New York and against Cleveland. He, he's very uncomfortable taking shots. He doesn't like it. And, uh, and, and I believe it's because of social media and, and Russell – kind of confirmed it for me yeah i mean that's like if you just do it enough dude eventually people just aren't going to care because it's part of what you do like you just right. you shoot from you pull up like uh whatever man i i get so annoyed with it now i get it's just it's so stupid like listen even the, his first real three-pointer i think it was a couple years ago on abc against the lakers i don't know if you remember that but ben pulled up for three he missed it but it was like he just pulled up not and just shot it and the whole arena was like, ooh, you know, they, they were shocked. They, they were completely shocked. And then, he, and then he was asked about it after the game, and he shrugged it off. Meanwhile, Joel and JJ couldn't stop talking about it after the game. Joel was like, yo, I was shocked. I didn't expect that. That was amazing. I, I, I didn't think he was going to pull up. And the same thing with JJ. It was a couple years ago, you know, against – I think it was the Jimmy Butler year. I think it was the Jimmy Butler year when he pulled up for that shot. It was crazy. So – just Nick. don't make it just like people are going to make it a big deal, dude, but just like that's what happens. Like people make big deals out of stupid stuff. Move on. You're, you're going to live. Like you, you, you have, I would think more than enough money to live two lifetimes to be comfortable. Dude. Welcome. Welcome to 2020. Like, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Like this is how this stuff works. You there's social media that like, you have to be able to fight through it. It's definitely a mental thing. It, it is absolutely a mental thing. This is why when Kyrie will say like the media or any athlete, cause I think like I've seen some, some football players recently, like say stuff about um, the media or whatever. So, it's not like you want to go and get upset about the, at the people who are, or take it out on the people who are um, 
like interviewing you and asking you questions, that's generally displaced anger. The people that are right. usually upset are the people who are on social media who are fans, who right. of course they're going to get upset and they deserve to get upset. Like they, they're, you're representing their team and everything and they pay money to go watch the games and they buy your jerseys. Why should they just like – why should they just sit back and just take it or whatever? So like, don't. But that's where I get annoyed with the, oh, the media. Is it, you mean it's say social media? If you're including social media, that's fine. I get it. Get right. you should just get off of it. But yeah. I understand that. Don't blame the the act like the the print and broadcasters and all, all that crap. Like, get out of my face with that shit. That's, that's yeah. just so stupid. Absolutely not. I mean, listen. Like it, it is. It is what it is. So Nick, this that 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 will put a wrap on this final podcast of 2020. And listen, man, we made it. We, we made it through. We're, we're healthy. We're, we're good. We're ready to go. And uh, we're, here's, here's hoping that 2021 will, will just be a – will be back to normal because I, I, I want to have a, a normal summer for 2021. I want to have a normal summer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you there. Well, so for me, to put how I'm going to cap off my 2020 is uh, Batman's awesome. Oh, my God. Oh my God! This is the last time you'll be on this podcast. I promise you. This is the last time <laughs> we're spreading that slander that Batman is a good superhero. I mean, he's a mediocre one at the end of the day. He is a mediocre superhero. Oh my goodness, who's coming around a little bit? He hated him before everybody. Now he's saying he's mediocre. That's a step in the right direction. That's a I, I'm in enough 2020 on this show on a W. I'll take that. Listen. I still don't. I still don't understand why he has to mess up a henchman's spine. But when the when the Joker gets a murder, he's gonna, you know, follow the book. Just, I mean, listen, I, I don't understand it. Listen, Nick Fryer, you can follow him. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick underscore Fryer. Make sure you check out all of his wonderful stuff over at NetsWire. Make sure you check out SixersWire.com for all of your 76ers updates. Uh, news analysis and everything else in between and and what also what doc rivers truly thinks about ben simmons jump shot that is up there that is one of, one of the top stories over on sixerswire.com so nick thank you so much for joining us everybody who listened in for 2020 i appreciate you all and we'll see you in 2021 that's a wrap we'll see you guys next time <laughs>